Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. All right, I've been in meetings all day. I, can I tell you, I am a wartime CEO. I love when things are going bad so much more when they're going good. <laughs> Why is that? Because you're good like, at it or it just gets you fired up? It gets me fired up. I love the adrenaline. Like when Corona hit and we've done good during Corona, it's all good. I mean, you know, we got hurt, but like we we're fine. I loved it. I was like, oh my God, this is living. I feel so happy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, so you love being wartime CEO. What's the war? Tell us about it. Well, like, okay, so there's this great book that I, I'm reading, and I think I've seen this across multiple books. It's called Ready, Fire, Aim. I've heard and, this, yes. And, you know, it's funny. It's, it's published by Agora, that scammy company that I've mentioned <laughs> tons of times. Wait, that's it's, the name of the book or just name of the framework? Book. Okay, gotcha. Ready, fire, aim. Maybe it's a framework. I don't know. Mike, something Mathenson, this guy created it. It's, it's the cool. army, army guy, the general, right? Like, no, 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 no. So I think we're talking about two different, maybe there's two okay, things named the same thing. Um, and it just basically said like, look, from zero to one million, you have to just figure out like what it is that people like and make it. And then from like one million to 10 million, it's just about hiring people to like help make it possible and like just surviving. And then 10 million to 100 million where we are you have to innovate constantly and while maintaining process and that's really hard to do i mean that's like a different challenge i've already i've overcome the first one i've overcome the second one now this is a new challenge and it's a challenge not for me but for all of our staff and that's super hard and so there's constantly drama of like making people happy some employees who started are not the ones to lead you know right. things like that and i'm dealing with that now and like part of me is like, Oh my God, this is such a headache. And other part of me is like, this all can crumble. And I love the feeling of knowing I can die tomorrow. <laughs> okay. So what's your approach? Are you, um, you know, problem, problem gets, problem comes to your attention. So the first question is, are you a problem identifier or do you hear about the problems from somebody? And then you're like, Oh, that's a problem. Okay. I'm going to act on it. Or are you the one who in your company is like, Hey guys, this is a big problem. Uh, both. I both. But where I am is I'm decisive. Like I'm not when things are going well, I'm like, uh, you know, just keep doing the same, but more. But then when people are, when I hear about problems, I'm like, like someone before this told me of like a problem they have. I go, okay, you're going to change. We're going to hire this person and we're going to do it today. And so I send out <laughs> an email and I go, we put this ad up. Madison, start recruiting people immediately. And so to me, it's like, I only can hear something one time. And I go, we're going to do this. And so what I like to do is it's like, I, I, I self-identify as like a strong beliefs loosely held, which is I believe something whole heart with all my heart. And then if I hear a little bit of information that changes it, I go, oh, okay, fuck all that. We're going the right. other way. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I love like, it's like in a battle. I'm like, if there's, if we, I, I so wish I could be in like war sometimes. I'm like, oh, the enemy's coming from here. We're going to risk our lives and do this, this, and this, and this. Go. Right. So I was thinking about this yesterday because of the presidential debate stuff. So right now we're four or five months away, whatever it is, like November is, is when the, the election happens, right? So I think that's four months away. And 
there was no there hasn't been any debates yet and i was like when the hell are the debates are people gonna do, are they gonna do the debates i think they're gonna do it when are they and because i really want to see what happens with biden versus trump and right now all the news i don't know if you've seen is that like oh biden is crushing trump in the polls it's looking like it's going to be a Biden landslide. And then Biden is kind of like, hey, 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 guys, 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 it's not over. Like, make sure, because, you know, he needs people to turn out. People need to feel like they're going to lose so they go vote. You know, I, I don't pay attention. I, I don't give a fuck about polls anymore after last election. Is So that's is what he, the polls are saying right now. And, um, and smart people are sort of backing that up, as they tend to do, which, which they also did in 2016. But anyways, it's looking like Biden's going to win in a landslide. And so I was thinking about this, and I was like, to me, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I would want that to happen, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. So why, I was, I was thinking about, I was like, why do I think this? Is this just like, I'm trying to be contrarian or I, I don't trust the polls or, and I realized what it was is I think that we are in wartime, not literal war necessarily, although some but people- kinda. Are, But kind of, like there's a lot of tension with China. There's the coronavirus, which is like this biological war that we're fighting there's like the race tensions in America. There's all the stuff. So we are not in peacetime in America. And I think it's because it's wartime, people are going to want a wartime CEO running the country. And I think Trump is going to be seen as the wartime CEO. And that's why I think people are in times of tension, they're going to go towards the leader they think is the stronger, more decisive, more aggressive leader. And they will ignore the many, many flaws that the guy has. So that's my theory on that. What do you think? I completely agree. And, and let's preface this by saying, we are not saying what yeah. we do, what we do or do not want. And, and I always right. like, I always talk about this shit all the time and be like, what well, are you pro Trump? I was like, well, I'm not telling you if I'm pro Trump or anti Trump. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. Right. And not only is this not what I want to happen. I also don't know shit about politics. So yeah, some people be like, no, no, trust me. This polling data is statistically significant. It's going to blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure. I'm just saying based on what this is a total gut instinct on what I know about people. And I know that when people are afraid, they flee towards strongman leaders. And I think that t Trump is going to be that more than Biden. That's, that's the theory. I think that they don't, I mean, I think I agree with you, but I would say, I don't think that um, it's just that they go for a certain type of leader. I think that it's more so they don't want change. And so I just Googled this while we were talking. I was just curious about the president during World War One and World War Two. So Woodrow Wilson was the president from 19... 13 to 1921 i don't think the war God, was 14 to 18 so 14 to 18 so he was, he was between he was before and after the war yeah so he but got reelected during the war basically okay yeah so he had eight years so four uh two terms and then fdr died in 45 in the middle of the war so right. that doesn't exactly uh work out right uh, but but i would be curious about like in times of massive crisis what does happen um like Bush won two terms. Um, right. uh, so yeah, I, I, that'd be interesting to see like what in times of crisis, and I don't know how you define crisis, like maybe the Great Depression, was it the same person over and over again? I don't know. I would, I would love to learn about that. If I had to bet money, which I'm not going to, I would bet on Trump winning. Right. So, so okay, we, we don't even have to go to the politics, but I, I do like this framework. Uh, and I think if you're out there and you don't know what we're talking about, wartime, peacetime, you should go figure that out. I think Ben Horowitz's book talks about it. Probably he also has a great people. blog post about it. Um, and then there's other um, kind of wartime, peacetime type of type of analogies. I think we talked about one on here, which was like pioneers, settlers, and town planners. Did we talk about that? I think. Maybe. I, so that's, that's like a thing with your company. Like there's some people who are pioneers. They're going to be great at figuring out the new thing. 
then there's uh, settlers who basically can create the initial camp once you, once you find the new land. And then there's the town planners, which are more like the large company, you know, I can run a division of a hundred to thousand people. Um, and so there's that. And then there's another one I was listening to. So I like the Naval podcast a lot. If you haven't listened to that, it's good. It's better than this podcast. I would say he's probably, you know, the sort of best blend of business and philosophy out there although some people don't like him now because i i like naval i'm not a naval dick writer though yeah i think is that just because there's so many dick writers that you're like fuck that i'm not gonna be one of them or is it because I, you actually don't like the content i think there's a lot of emptiness in rich people saying money doesn't make you happy and right so there's two ways to think about that so there's two ways to think about that one is yeah that's easy to say when you get a lot of money all right fair could be true that could be the truth and then the other version of it is what if, it, what if there was like this curtain and everybody wants to go to the other side of the curtain and then the people who guilt through it to the other side of the curtain, they're like, hey guys, wait, this is not all it's cracked up to be. Maybe that would be another way of thinking about this, which is that if rich people get to the other side of rich and they're not fulfilled, then they're going to go tell everybody, hey guys, this isn't the answer. I thought it was the answer too. And so I just don't think it's binary people. like that. That's my point. It's like, not, it's different strokes for different folks. Not everyone right. is driven by the same stuff. Not every, some people are happier rich. Some right. people are not. Like it's not like a you've money is it's not, not this, a universal rule. Yeah, so, the it's money is is it's it's impossible to say money does not make you happy. It's like, oh, some people it might, many people it will not. Right. By the way, for for Naval specifically, he has a pretty good line which I, I subscribe to, which is that money solves your money problems. It doesn't solve all your problems, but it solves your money problems. And if you don't have your money problems solved, those are big fucking problems in your life. Exactly. So he he's actually of the type that says everybody who tells you money doesn't make you happy it's kind of crazy because money solves a lot of these problems that will make you unhappy. So although it won't make you happy, it gets rid of several of the root causes of unhappiness that people have, but there are others and you should work on those too. So anyways, on this podcast, he was talking about, he was interviewing this guy and this guy was talking about in every company or really any society, there's three, it's like his thing was about innovation. It's like, why don't people innovate? Why don't companies innovate? Uh, why don't societies innovate? Because a lot of people say America doesn't innovate anymore. Big companies don't innovate anymore. Which is he bullshit. talks about these three groups. One is chiefs. The other is priests. And the third is thieves. So he goes, it's chiefs, priests, and thieves that steal innovation. So, okay, what are these three groups? So uh, chiefs are the people in charge. And they typically like the status quo. There's priests, which sort of you know, are all about sort of the religion of the way things are done, the way they should be done, the rules. And these are usually invisible, mythical, mystical rules uh, that, that get created. And so at big companies, they always talk about, hey, what sacred cows do you need to kill in order for your company to grow and become new? It's like, well, you need to address the priests in the company who are not going to want you to kill those sacred cows. And the last one is the thieves. Wait, does he, say to, fire to, to, does he say to fire them? Uh, I don't know. So he was interviewing him about a book that's not out yet. So I don't fucking know that. But I just thought this was interesting because I started seeing it everywhere when I think about the company I'm in, right? So I'm in a company with over, you know, close to 2000 people. I would say it's not that innovative as a company. Now, in some ways, it doesn't need to be like the, the company's just growing like crazy because the market is growing and it's the leader of the market. But if you think about innovation, and there's, there's always a need to innovate. If I looked around, I can identify people who might be chiefs, priests, or thieves in the company. The thieves would be people who are sort of in it for their own self-interest. They like to kind of hoard resources. I mean, they're just looking for their own personal gain at the expense of the, the greater good. And so I thought that I like these frameworks because it helps you decode yeah, you're, you're a bunch of framework. messy human behavior and just be like, oh, that's, that's a way to think about what's going on here. Here's, does this lens help me? If not, throw it away, but maybe this lens helps. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. 
I think that's fantastic. You know, it's funny, everyone, I, some, a, a listener sent us this like Shopify store of t-shirts he made and some of them are kind of neat. And I posted about it. I go, shit, are these guys, is this cool? Should we sell this shit? And everyone, right. I, I got people texting me saying it's cool. And I would be like, well, I somehow got to like, what do you like about the podcast? And they all said the right. same shit, which is Sam is blunt and honest. And sometimes I think this, some people said mostly right. Sean is the king of frameworks and makes complicated things easy to understand. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's accurate. I will also give you that you're kind of like MacGyvery. Uh, like you're a hustler and a schemer in the best way, meaning like you will figure out where's the action, where's the money, where's the demand. Uh, I think you're really good at that. And I think when you bring up things, it's because you've sniffed out something and you're, you're like, you know, you've gone and hunted something, you bring it onto the podcast or you bring it into the Facebook groups. And for all the rest of us, it's like, oh shit, this is interesting. I never, I never knew this company's making all this money. I never knew there was this much demand for X. And it's because I think you're very good at sniffing that out. Well, I didn't want this to be a Sam and Sean jerk off session, but uh, anyway. Well, here we you, are. <laughs> you, yeah. But uh, the point is, is that you are very good at this framework stuff. I, I'm, I'm writing down chiefs and priests and thieves, and I'm going to apply this. Um, you've done that a couple of <laughs> times. You did this another time. What was it? I forget when it was, but I was like, oh my God, yes, he's right. I'm going to do that. So good job with that. Keep doing that. Um, speaking by, of... By snip- way, I, got, I got one question for you. Do people, in, uh, do people at The Hustle listen to this? And is that weird for you that they listen to this? Because I hope my coworkers just don't listen to this. Yeah, it is weird. I, I, I don't want to even have that in my head of like, oh, if I mention something that's gone on at my company or whatever, I don't want to have to deal with the actual people who are doing it later. Because this is my little private space to share with the listeners. But if the listeners are some of those people, I'm like, oh, shit, it's tricky. Yeah, it is weird. So Steph Smith, one of our... She's uh, a star. She's a star. Steph's a star. I love Steph to death. She's listening to this right now, I bet. She um, told me she listens to every episode. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and I was like, uh, first, I, it's, there's flattery. Second, it's like, I can't believe people like this. That's crazy. Because, I mean, I don't know. Do you... I, I don't, I've never listened to one episode because yeah, it's hard for me. Well, it's first hard of all, for me. I was here during the conversation, right? So like, I don't need to go listen to it. I, I know what we said. So that's not, it's not new information. To it's me. just hard. You're like, I don't, you don't want to, I, I call it the peanut butter and jelly problem, which is like when my mother would make me something to eat, it was wonderful. And then when I did the same thing, I'm like, oh, this is not that hard. Like this isn't special at all. Right. This is bullshit. What a fraud. <laughs> Dude, that guy's going to make a Shopify t-shirt. My mom makes the best peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Probably will. All right, so um, you were going to switch topics. What, what are you going to? Okay, speaking of sniffing out stuff, I got some stuff that I've sniffed out just this morning, and we didn't prepare too much for this because it Dude, all happened. this is interesting. You sent this to me. I loved it. Okay, so let's talk about... Well, all right, I'm going to talk about that one second. The first one oh, okay, is... Okay. Um, wow, more people are sending me the same decks. So many people... Okay. Well, we could just talk about it if you want. Let's, we could talk about that first. Yeah. Let's no, talk. let's talk about this other one first. Okay. So <laughs> I just read about this guy and I just tweeted about it. It's so interesting. There's this guy. It's called Bonsa. I don't know how to pronounce this because I don't know where the space is in the word because I'm just looking at the URL. Okay. Here it is. Uh, fuck. I can't pronounce this. Bonsai. B O N S A I. So Bonsai. Yep. And then Mira. M I R A I dot com. Okay. Um, are, are you going to that? You got to go on to it right now. Okay. So I'm seeing trees. We connect, we create trees that connect you. Okay. What's happening here? Okay. 
this fucking guy is brilliant. He is the Bob Ross of bonsai trees. And if you go <laughs> to go to that URL I said, but add live in the beginning. Mm, okay. Oh, I see it now. Okay. If you go to live.bonsaimirai.com slash pricing, you can get to a pricing page at least. Yeah. Uh, $17.99 per month for you can build your bonsai skills on his revolutionary live stream. Yeah. So you pay $20 a month or $30 a month and you get to watch him do bonsai trimming and people are loving it. And I looked at his traffic and he has peaked in April and he is getting somewhere between 20 and 50,000 people a month coming to this website and they want to both watch him trim bonsai trees and buy bonsai trees and buy bonsai. I mean, I know nothing about this, this world. I don't know what, it's just freaking crazy. So he has 230 videos in his library with 360 hours of bonsai education, oh 50 God. different tree species worked on and hundreds of different techniques. It is nuts. This is so cool. I love this. And so his take is, this is, this is an alternative to Headspace. Ah, okay. So it's like some kind of active meditation, basically. And it is so cool. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in this. Okay, so this, you just made me realize why I like this whole set of things. Meditation is cool. I think everybody wants the benefits of meditation, but I would say the majority of people really struggle to meditate regularly. But what most people don't realize is that meditating is not just sitting in a room with your legs crossed and breathing and not thinking any thoughts, right? There's a whole bunch of different forms, including what this guy's doing, which is bonsai tree trimming, but also yeah. including that workout thing we talked about, the happy body. It's yeah. like this low intensity, slow breath-based like weightlifting that honestly just felt like meditation more than weightlifting. Um, there was exactly. other, there's other things. Why do people like hiking? Well, it's because there's a whole bunch of things that okay, I, I'm really on the Naval train right now, but I, I got to say another line of his that's money, which is, most people want peace of mind, but really they should want peace from mind. And people just want to get away from their mind. And you know, your mind living in your head makes you unhappy a lot of times. And you'll notice this if you're in a social situation, but you're in your own head, you will not be enjoying that social situation. If you are trying to give a speech, but you're in your own head, editing your thoughts, thinking about what you're going to say, you will not be doing a good job, nor enjoying it. And so same thing here. There's a whole bunch of activities that can get you out of your own head. Meditation is one. Maybe bonsai is another, exercise is another. And so people are, music festivals is another. If you stimulate yourself with enough loud music, drugs, dancing, sweating, heat, alcohol, whatever else, you will stop living in your own head. You'll lose yourself in the moment. And uh, those feelings are kind of euphoric. And I think people are chasing those. And so if you can develop something like that, which might be as simple as those silly Instagram, like cutting of sand, videos or whatever like there's apps in the app store that are these calming calming videos on loop so it's kind of like calm.com it's kind of like the calm meditation app but instead it's like a tiktok feed of just soothing soap cutting sand cutting cake cutting videos and people love these for relaxation so i think there's a whole class of ideas that are like this and let me give you more classes. And I am just riffing right now where I, I have not planned this at all. And I'm just, uh, this is, this is all Same. off memory. 
Okay, so here's three examples. The first example is there's a TV show that I used to watch as a kid that I see uh, no one's really done a good job of making it again for digital. It's called How It Works. Do you remember that show? I remember the show, yeah. All they did was they would say, today we're going to do a Ferrari factory, a soap factory, and a frat factory that makes hoses. Right. And they, I still remember uh, uh, what's it called Fortune Cookie Factory. I still remember that episode in my head. And they don't really talk much. The guy talking is a, it's a man that with a deep voice and he talks a little bit. He goes, first, they source the rubber and mix it with black to make the rubber black or uh, right. whatever they say. <laughs> and then you just see like a machine mixing rubber for like right. three minutes. Then they right. go, after that, the people put it into a mold to make it round. And then you just see that. And then, and then they stretch it out like next step is like boom there's your hose and they do that for an hour and it was wonderful i used to watch it as a kid all the time the second example is amsr barbers me and my ASMR, friend neville yeah asmr yeah right. but there's barbers me and my friend neville have sat and watched this there is for some reason this is really popular in india where you type in asmr barber there's a barber with 600 666,000 subscribers on YouTube. And all you do is watch him shave people's heads. I have watched so many hours of this. <laughs> Me and Neville will sit down and just watch this. I went to his house one time and I used his computer or Apple TV to go to Google or something. And I saw that like the link was clicked. I go, Neville, do you also watch this guy, an idiot who shaves heads? And he goes, yeah. And we just, I go, me too. And we just watched him shave people's heads with a straight razor and the third wait, wait, wait. so is is this the sound thing where you like because there's a different barber thing i've seen where you put your headphones on and it sounds like a barber shaving right above your right ear only it's kind of like a st stereo sound or whatever where you can kind of feel where it's going behind your head in front of your head it's not that that's a different experience no it's different so this is just all, watching the guy do it yeah um and so they have so many views and I have sat for hours and watched it. There's this one. Okay. It's this Indian guy. I think he's Indian. Yeah. He's in India. ASMR saloon and massage. This guy uh, has 10 million videos of someone sh getting their head shaved. That's all it is. He doesn't <laughs> talk. All he does is shaves his head. And I've watched um, it so many there's times. There's another version of this. Um, this a little bit. It's not ASMR exactly, but this guy Munir, have you seen him on Instagram? No, there's this hairstylist in Dubai or something like that. And girls will fly around the world to just go to this guy's salon because they've seen him on Instagram and he just cut, he colors and cuts your hair. And his, his he does an Instagram video. It's kind of like a, a music video, basically of him. Just, he grabs your hair, he washes it. So you see the wash, you see the color, you see the foil being wrapped. Then you see, boom, the color's done and he cuts the hair. And then he does this thing at the end where he just flicks the hair with his hands. And the way he flicks the hair, everybody loves the flick. And uh, this guy Munir has like, I don't know how many followers. Does on he even talk? But I listen to a lot of the, no, he doesn't talk. No, there's nothing. It's this just the, the same song the every single time. So it's like hypnotizing. Um, it's always the same song, I believe. And this guy has 6.6 .6 million followers on Instagram. I watch a shit ton of his videos and I couldn't care less about like women's hairstyle, but there's something addictive to watching this. I agree. And I think that anyone who has a product or service that you can do this, you just film it for 30 minutes and some, and if, there's a few characteristics that people love to watch the third one is called primitive technology i was i followed this guy since the day he launched he launched five years ago he had his original videos if you go to his youtube page and do sort by oldest his original videos it's a 30 uh, 11 minute video 
four minute video, four minute video. And then I believe he used to, or maybe he still does, has 30 minute videos. He has a piece of property in the woods <laughs> and he builds stuff. So he's building a hut. He's starting a fire, fire with yeah. sticks. He's building a stone ax and he has, and he blew up his very first video that he posted. He accumulated like 2 million subscribers. Now he has 10 million subscribers. He doesn't talk. He doesn't say a word. All you do is you watch him build this hut and it is mesmerizing. Um, and now he has a book, a survivalist guide to building tools, shelters, and more, but he could, he could do anything he wants. This guy, it's pretty amazing. All of his, literally all of his videos, you can go and look at this, have at least 5 million views and the highest ones have 30 or 40 million views. Uh, this highest one has 74 million views and all he's doing is building a hut. This is fucking amazing. Wild dude. I didn't know about any of this. Um, that's amazing. Wow. So I'm just fun. looking at I'm just looking at his stuff right now. It's cool. Every video has like over 10 million views. And he's not he like he's not like, oh, I'll teach you how to do this. He's, no, no, he's just doing literally it. he, he doesn't just say a word. He doesn't say one word. All <laughs> Dude, you what do kind is- of genius was this guy? Like who has the creative genius to like do this, come up with this, and actually make it successful? That's amazing. I mean, he has, let's see, he has um we should just do a silent thing. podcast. Just no, just us breathing. He has close to one billion views on his video. Wow. It's, okay. Oh, that's uh, crazy. This is wild. so okay. So relaxation. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what we bucket this as. Takeaways is these small. I guarantee this bonsai guy makes a wonderful living, and this primitive technology totally does too. I uh, the takeaways for anyone listening is these relaxation things are awesome. They're probably right. a lot harder to do than we are making. Like, oh, all you do is right. these are the winners. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely more to it, but they work. And the second thing is cool to see people make livings off uh, small ass fun niche. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Some niche so, that they're super passionate about. Let's get to the less niche thing. So yeah, um, I will set the context here. So um, I read about this today. Pier one, they sell bedding stuff. They sell furniture. They sell home goods. Yep. They went bankrupt. And there was this company called Retail E-Commerce Ventures, really bland name, that acquired the IP, I guess you could say. So what they're going to do, it seemed like, was they're going to... So did use- they acquire it? It's like done? Yeah. They are... Uh, sorry. I think they have the winning bid and the paperwork signs in like a very short amount of time. I see. Okay. And so their move is that they're going to turn Pier 1 dot com into a viable store and sell all the stuff online i don't understand how that works with like the brick and mortar stuff i, I don't quite get it but i remembered i recognized this name and i realized oh i'd read about this when someone bought dress barn dress barn is like a middle of america store i grew up with it where it's like cheap clothes you just go and you kind of pick stuff out of a bin and the same company bought the ip for that and i did some research i mean i just googled it it wasn't that hard um and the guy who owns that <laughs> is Ty Lopez. And for those of you who don't know, Ty Lopez is this guy, I'm going to try and reserve judgment, but many accuse him of being a quick, a get rich quick guy. He sells courses on how to start a social media agency or how to find your calling in life. And he was most famous because his, he was one of the first advertisers on YouTube. And he had this video where he goes, here I am in my garage with my Lamborghinis. And I've, I, I read a lot of books and you should read books too. Buy my course and I can just teach you what I've read in these books. And so he's spending $30 million to buy Pier 1 uh, uh, along with other stuff. And we got a hold of his deck. Um, I didn't even read it, but I read Sean, it. I, I've talked so, a lot and I've set the stage. You want to? Yeah. So 
This is one of the most interesting things I've seen in a while. Um, so it's not just Ty Lopez. It's also this other guy, Alex Mayer. Alex Mayer was the founder and CEO of Zeusk. He and Ty Lopez, so Zeusk sold for $284 million, I think. Um, it was a dating app that was really popular in the app store. Um, it's kind of like a low-level dating app, but they, they had gamed Facebook ads. So he had like found an arbitrage of Facebook, I believe, early on, had grown a lot through that. Maybe some other things. I'm not super familiar with their story. But successfully built Zeusk. Then him and Ty Lopez built MentorBox which um, does pretty well. So MentorBox, I'm going to just do a little calculation. Let me just get a little estimate here. Yeah, and on his website, they say how big MentorBox is. They say how big the variety of businesses are that they've acquired. Yeah, how big is MentorBox, the claim? It says 60,000 subscribers. Yeah, so, so 60 or 70,000 subscribers. I don't know exactly what their price point is, but I think it's doing um, over a million dollars a month. So I think it's safe to say um, about $10 million a year. I, I actually subscribed to it to see what it is. Cause I was How much does it cost? looking at this is like this, there's like a $1 trial. And then I think it costs like 10 bucks or something like that. Maybe 20 bucks. You get a book um, or summary and you get access to these videos. I don't know. I don't use it. It's not, it's not that good in my opinion, but um, anyways, this mentor box does over 10 million bucks a year easily. Um, and so Ty Lopez, you're absolutely right. Most people view him as kind of like, he's a meme. He's a joke. Um, you got to kind of respect the hustle in a way, like he's not a nobody. So, you know, good on you. Um, but he really sold out hard on the kind of self-help. I'm a, I'm a rich guy. Let me teach you to be rich type of thing. Um, to the point where successful and rich people typically don't, um, look at Ty Lopez as like someone they admire, but he's not Richard Branson. He's Ty Lopez. And so, uh, but this dress barn thing was interesting. They didn't say how well the dress barn acquisition has done since they, so basically they're buying these old retail stores that have a big brand and then they're relaunching them as e-commerce only stores. They're saying, Hey, what if we had the brand recognition of a pure one, but none of the brick and mortar headaches that pure one has. And can we just sell pure one as an e-commerce only store? Pier One was doing about $300 million a year in e-commerce revenue, a billion dollars of total revenue. And I'm not exactly sure why it's going bankrupt or why they, if these guys are getting this for $30 million, that's a fucking steal unless there's something else I don't know, which could very well be the case because we don't have their books. But this is an amazing business opportunity, I think, actually. So, you know, props to those guys. Because when I saw this, I was like, this is a really smart play. Pier One has, Pier One's actually like more of like a tier one brand. Uh, it's like much bigger than Dress Barn. And taking, if you can get the rights to the name and the inventory um, to be able to sell this online, I, I mean, that's a, if, if the online store, the online business is already doing over $250 million a year, uh, and you're picking up that asset for $20, $30 million, that's a, that's a steal. So I'm not sure. And how here's, here's what you get when you buy Pier 1. You get 30 million customer database, which basically means their email address and their buying history, I think. I, yeah. I don't know what else. Uh, of those 30 million, 8 million of them are activated or active, which I don't know how that's defined. Yep. And the most of the database can be retargeted on Facebook. And the guy who bought, who's, Ty Lopez's partner was a dating app person and the dating app people are notoriously and they're in the same category of gamers which is or gaming people which doesn't mean that they're scammy at all it just means that they're incredibly savvy marketers and sometimes that involves like some shady tactics and but that's okay that yeah. that just dating, means dating apps are user acquisition companies that happen to sell dating and gaming apps are 
user acquisition companies that happen to sell games. And so both of them, you live and die on how effectively you're able to buy a user and make money off that user very quickly, which sounds like all business, but it is because they're typically low retention businesses, um, you're kind of churning and burning through users at a pretty high rate. Exactly. So you're probably sophisticated at customer acquisition. And so the theory is, is if you could take someone who's that sophisticated at that and throw them at a more stickier product that's actually like people love or that's in a better uh, industry, um, you're going to have success. So right. it's interesting. I think that these guys did this before Corona and then that should happen. And now all these guys are going bankrupt. So we're good on, I mean, they're set to succeed. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I think this is honestly, this is pretty great. I'm kind of jealous that I didn't do this. Well, you could have done so, it with so uh, I'm, I'm, brandless, except you'd have to, so brandless was a company that was like a like they brandless.com we talked about them on here yeah. before all this happened and they sold like like basically the to target brand of stuff that brandless wanted to redo target brand and right. make the like generic gen brand generic brands that were high high medium quality but low priced and they went out of business but you'd have to assume i think like 30 million dollars in debt or something crazy yeah which i'm guessing is also the reason that this business is so um devalued slash going bankrupt, right? The revenues are, are actually quite high, but there must be some just huge overhang or debt obligation or something that's causing them to, to declare bankruptcy rather than find a, find a buyer. But yeah, if they could become kind of like a Wayfair junior, that's pretty good. Wayfair is like a seven to $8 billion company. And if they can take Pier One into an online only brand, uh, if they can shed some of that you know, liability in, in the transaction, like that's, that's a win. And so I'm curious if we're going to see more of this. Are we going to see Dollar General? Are we going to see Crate and Barrel? Are we going to see- No, you won't see Dollar General. Oh. Dollar General. So do you know about the thriving. dollar stores? I've heard that they're thriving during, during COVID in general. You know and, why? And actually, no, why? Okay. So in the early 2000s, I think that's when the first one, um, Abreu, you can actually look this up if you look up Dollar General. They're all, but Dollar General, and then where was the other three names? There's three of them, I think. The Dollar General, Family Dollar, I believe. Family Dollar, and maybe there's one more. Dollar Tree. Um, Dollar Tree. So those three were acquired by the private, the big private equity firm. So KKR, which is uh, one of the maybe the third biggest private equity firm. The second one, uh, one another brand was acquired by uh, Blackstone or Black Blackstone which is, I think, the biggest private equity firm. And these fucking guys turn these damn things around so much. They like said, like, all right, we're going to start selling milk. We're going to start doing this. We're going to start doing that. And it cost a million dollars to open a store. And they go, we're opening up a store everywhere. And they yeah. went on a spree where they, they opened up these fucking stores everywhere. And they are crushing it. The, all the private equity firms pounced on this at the same time. And dollar stores are killing it. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. My uh, I know somebody who is like the preferred real estate developer for them. So I was like, dude, how's COVID? You know, you do retail development. He's like, well, luckily my tenants were Hobby Lobby, Dollar General, and you know, basically a bunch of stores that actually have continued to thrive even in like, even as retail continues to die. So um, I found that kind of interesting. Now what's interesting here is that they're actually buying the IP for Pure One. They're not buying the company. And so I think they're just basically buying the brand, the rights, the, maybe the rights to sell online. I'm not sure exactly. This deck is a little bit light. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's I, interesting. I, I think Sharper Image did the same thing. If you want a case study on how this is done, I'm mm -hmm. almost positive that Sharper Image went through an issue where it went out of business and they only sold the website and it ran as, right. as its own thing. 
I would also be interested to see if somebody's going to do this with other struggling brands like a 24 hour fitness. So 24 hour fitness is also closing down stores, going through bankruptcy, has a huge customer database of members who have member active memberships. And if you could say, okay, cool, we're, we're going to buy the 24 hour fitness IP and we're going to take it to a digital fitness brand. And you basically rip off either the sweat app or like Freelytics or one of these like workout apps. And you like basically white label the, the app experience, but you combine that with the 24 hour IP and customer database brand name. I think that that is, you know, you could probably create a lot of value there depending on what price you could get in. So I think this is cool. Yeah, it is cool. And if anyone is caring about this and we'll move on. Uh, there's two other companies that I know that have done this. The first is Iconics brand. Iconics brand owns a ton of stuff, including Rockaware, Jay-Z's thing. So they bought Jay-Z's thing. Mud Jeans. You remember Mud Jeans? Umbro. They own um, <laughs> Ed Hardy, Joe Boxer, all these kind of like third, fourth tier brands. Right. They've done it and they're quite large. And then the second one that's done it even better. And I was, I, I don't want to give stock advice, but uh, I, I think I was going to, I, th- I like this brand. Uh, it's called VF Corporation, and they own Dickies, Vans, which is on a tear, Jansport, um, Timberland, the North Face, and a few others. Wow, North Face is pretty big. Uh, okay, cool. Um, what else? What else do we want to talk about? There's a bunch of things on this list. Anything stand out to you, or anything you wanted to bring up that was interesting? I'm going to defer to you. All right, let's do a quick one. Uh, you saw this Twitter hack yesterday that was about like you know, taking over Elon and Jeff Bezos's accounts. And a whole bunch of people were like, you want to give the, you want to set the, con- set the stage? Yeah. So a bunch of people, so there was a, a takeover of a whole bunch of blue checkmarked face, uh, verified kind of uh, Twitter verified accounts, including Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and others. And they went, they posted a thing. So, so what I saw was basically Jeff Bezos posts something along the lines of, you know, guys, I've done so well. I really just want to give back, um, you know, I want to make sure I get back to the community for, you know, for the next 30 minutes. Um, anybody who sends me one Bitcoin, I'll send two back, uh, you know, 30 minutes only. Good luck. Have fun guys. And then Elon's account retweets it and basically is like, Oh, me too, brother. I'm in. I'll oh, do the Elon same. got hacked too. Yeah. I was like, I'll do the same blah, blah, blah. And so they, they did this. And then the funny thing is that because all Bitcoin transactions are uh, recorded on the blockchain and they posted the public address of the wallet, you could see how many people in real time are getting duped by this. And so like, you know, last I saw it, a hundred something thousand dollars had been transferred to these wallets that will never be recovered. And I'm Twitter, looking online now. It looks like $118,000. $118,000. And then Twitter kind of like blo- locked all blue check accounts. So they kind of just hit the safety switch and just said, no blue check can do anything on Twitter right now to like stop the activity. They figured out that the, they posted something that said they think that some like a moderator or an admin had been compromised. So somebody who had admin rights, which gave you rights to like uh, manage like the blue checkmark accounts, um, they either bribed the person or they were working with them or they took over that person's account or something like that. And that's how the vulnerability worked. Um, That's why they were able to get access to everybody's all at once. And so interesting, just crazy scenario in general. And then two, a whole bunch of people were like, Dude, if you had if you had access to Jeff Bezos, Elon, and whoever's Twitter accounts, and the best you could get was one hundred eighteen thousand dollars, like you I just saw that lack same imagination. Thing. And so, what, what, and then there was a bunch of people saying, "What would you do?" Like, okay, let's put yourself in the criminal mindset for a second. How would you maximize the value of this? And so, I'm curious, what what would you do? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess. I mean, dark, look, that, that's like a side. 
that's a, uh, I mean, like they got a, I don't know how hard it was, but they got a hundred grand off that. That's not a lot of money, but like they probably will never get caught. Right. So if you could blackmail them, you could say, Elon, I know you're cheating or I know right. you're, you'll probably get caught. Right. Uh, what could you do? So, so those are the, so two of the most suggested things were blackmail through the DMS or, um, you, you or get like caught, short though. the stock. So a lot of people were like, Oh dude, if you have Elon's account, you just, you know, post something that you're, you know, you're sick and taking leave or that you're going to do some crazy shit. Cause you tend to tweet that stuff anyways, and you short Tesla stock. And then that's how you'll profit off this thing. Yeah. But I was like, dude, that'd be you the most caught. easy to catch thing that, that it could be. And maybe with Tesla, cause there's so much short volume that like, you would just be lost in the sea, but it would be like so obvious if you did it with like Amazon stock or what you know, would you write? So you'd have to say like, um, like things are not going well from Elon's thing or for, or for, uh, Bezos, you'd have to say like, as of today, I'm officially stepping down. Right. Exactly. Like, you'd I'm have done. to say you're stepping down uh, and like you're the key man risk of those businesses. And so, you know, the stock market would panic if Elon was stepping down from Tesla or something like that. Now, I, I don't. Or you could do the other way. Ideas. You could be like, you sh- you should be like, we are we are highly considering buying Tesla. Like, if you're Be- Bezos, right? Yeah. One one way to do it would be to send an act. You know, something that looks like it's meant to be a DM, but actually accidentally got tweeted about like buying some penny stock or something like that. You you take advantage of the pump. Um, I don't know. There's 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 a whole bunch of random things. I, I didn't see any ideas that I love, but I did think it was crazy that this happened. And it's so crazy that there's all these vulnerabilities. I mean, through whether it's email, social media, like the whole world is so fragile, really. Like your people, people's lives, the companies are really fragile. And there's all these other like, you know, risks that are, that just, that are just out there. That's very hard to, to do. Like Slack, for example. If Slack gets compromised and your whole company runs on Slack and your entire Slack chat history gets exposed, like, you know, you could be screwed um, and, you know, we just trust Slack and we trust you know, Google Docs and we trust all these things. Should we? So, well, Sean, you do, what email service provider do you guys use at Twitch? Gmail. We're, we're G Suite account. Really? So I think at Facebook, they don't use, I think they use. Yeah, Amazon runs their own for a lot of these. Amazon doesn't use Google Hangouts. They have Chime, their own shitty version of Zoom, but it's. Amazon's own, so they'd have no risk in that sense. But Twitch got acquired, right? So we use Slack, which they don't get to use, which Amazon doesn't get to use. We use Google Docs. We use all these things because we were, you know, it'd be pretty disruptive to change the whole company's like operating system. Well, I didn't know about this. When I, when someone at Facebook was like, yeah, we use, I think Outlook. I was like, Outlook is fucking stupid. Why? And they go, because we don't want Google spying on us. Right. And I was like, that. <laughs> like we about? want that Microsoft would... spying on us instead. Yeah, I was like, that that would never happen. And now I realize, yeah, it can happen. Yeah, somebody t- tweeted this the other day. They, they were like, you know, um, can we all just agree that like God mode type features of any app where basically like, you know, you, you have some super admin account that can like see other people's activities. Um, like there's all these good reasons why you would want to be able to do that, to moderate, to fix issues. To Somebody says, oh, I need this fixed in my account. You're like, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of it for you or, you know, whatever. Uh, but there's so much harm that can be done with this. And um, just a word to the wise, if you're using a startup, like let's say you're using some startup medical app, like, oh, telemedicine. 
and you got this, you know, you, you, you've been a little promiscuous. You came down with this STD and this, there's this app. That's this new app from Silicon Valley. You read about it at TechCrunch, and all you got to do is take a picture of your junk and this doctor will prescribe you some medicine. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. Just know at that eight person startup, there's like six engineers that see every photo that gets uploaded into the app. And there's probably like a Slack bot that's just tweeting about it. That's just posting every diagnosis. And that's usually for bug fixing and shit like that. But like your shit is not secure with startups. I can guarantee yeah. That. And that I, I, that's something that's outside of my world. And I've learned about it recently where um, these companies are building stuff. I'm like, man, you should sell to companies instead of people. And I look at their product roadmap and they had this like SSO feature. And I was like, what right. the fuck is SSO? <laughs> like, I, I guess... That stands for what's that single, single sign on? Sign on, yeah. And I was like, well, just use like last. I don't understand. And apparently, I sound pretty ignorant. Everyone's probably laughing at me who knows about this. I, I guess it's security around signing yeah, Everybody on who at. works at a big company is like, oh, yeah, you know, when we need to use a service, like if I log in to watch our company all hands, like I don't know if you do an all hands through Zoom, but like when we do an all hands, you have to log in with your company, company user ID and password, single sign on, in order to access it. So to make sure that outsiders, can't access your stuff if they had the link. And you and have so to like enter in your fingerprint. All your metrics, all your, uh, not really fingerprints. Just not your fingerprint, password. sorry. Uh, what's that thing called? The VPN or... Um... Oh, like, yeah, it's like, there's like a USB little thing I have where I have to push into it on my computer and that's my like hardware password that I have to use to log into certain, to go see my healthcare benefits or whatever. And by right, the way, there's companies I mean. that just make single sign-on as a service. It's a great little startup. They just say, hey, if you want to get your app enterprise ready, you're going to need single sign-on. Trust me, it's a pain in the ass. Just like you don't want to build payments software and fraud detection and Stripe just does it for you, we do single sign-on for you. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Isn't that with that company, Okta? Is it Okta? Okta? Okta, yeah. I think Okta might do this as well, yeah. Yeah, that's like a $10 billion company I know nothing about. But, any, but anyways, so what was I saying? Oh, the same thing goes for any like new email client. You're like, oh, this new email thing came out superhuman and I'm really pumped about it. It's cool. You could swipe to the left and the right and it's like Tinder for email or whatever. And you give it access to your email. Like giving access to email is like insane. Giving access to a Chrome extension when it says, uh, Chrome extension, we'd like to read and write all data on every web page you visit. That's insane. It's insane to do yeah, all Everyone's going to know Sean do. likes midget porn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's my business. What I what I like to do, and how small or big they are. Uh, so, anyways, people are insane. There's lots of security vulnerabilities. Okay, one last topic. Um, oh, I have one on here that's not even research, but I just wrote. Why the hell do we use signatures? Like, that's it's just crazy. You just did crazy. your taxes yesterday, huh? No, uh, no, I'm doing house sale stuff. But uh, they're like, oh yeah, can you sign this? And by the way, if you if you sign this, you know you're claiming this and i'm like dude this signature i made with like my pinky on my keypad and it looks different than every other signature i ever did and in general signatures are stupid and also when i go to some place and i sign and they're like you need to sign this waiver and it's like nothing's in it for me it's only just liability protections for them i literally just write the word jane doe in cursive and they just take it and i'm like look if this ever came back to me and they're like you signed this i'm like what are you talking about dude this says yeah. jane doe are you crazy i didn't sign that uh I don't understand that either. We, when we were doing our taxes, I had to sign some stuff and I'm like, and Sarah had to like, she had to like wait for me to do it. And like, she called me home and was like, Hey, can you come sign this stuff? I'm like, 
no, just you do it. I'm, right. what do you, just write my name. Like, I don't understand. And right. we've if had I'm that. I'm not but, authorized to forge your signature. Like, we're not friends. At this yeah. Point. <laughs> well, I was like, I, and there was another time where I was out of town and one of our accountants had to like sign a check. And I'm not going to say the outcome of the story because I don't, I don't even know if it's illegal <laughs> or not. But I go, can you just like, like, I know what the check is. I hear you. I'm telling right. you I'm on board. Sign my name on it. Or I was like, video me. Edie, right. and I will watch you sign my name on it. Like I, it, 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 a lot of people are like, no, 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 we can't do that. I'm like, I, I don't understand the intent. Like if the intent is there and I approve. I, right. Maybe there should be like a, a on the fly power of attorney where you can grant like a one-time power of attorney to somebody just through a little video face message, uh, some, some startup like that. Okay. Here's a little idea that well, I here, was cool. But by the way, when I was 19 using fake IDs, I would like uh, find someone who looked like me and give them hundred dollars and they give me their ID. I remember I would sign the debit or the, I would like sign some paperwork or like, no, I don't remember what they would do. They would make me sign a piece of paper at the liquor store. And they're like this. I got busted a couple times ago. This signature doesn't look like the one on the ID. <laughs> and that's how I got caught a few times. Well, yeah, my handwriting is inconsistent. I, I, don't, I don't write. Much. Yeah. I was like, well, I, uh, <laughs> I've changed or, I don't yeah, exactly. or, or like, if you're at a bar, you're like, I don't know, dude, I'm wasted. Like, well, dude, mine, I used to, cause my name starts with the S as yours does too. Uh, I used to do the, the really fucking lame thing of doing that little chain link S as the start of my autograph. Uh, you know, like the three lines, three lines and connect them, make a little chain link. And then like, of course I got above the age of 18 and I was like, what am I doing? I can't go forward like this. So I changed my my signature from there yeah so it could have changed and you probably opened a bank account when you're like 14 and, and now i have like, to explain why i've changed and then they look at it and they're like no nah, i understand bro don't worry um okay here's a little idea that's sort of interesting about the house sale process that i thought was cool so i'm selling my house and i use an agent who's with compass and compass has this feature that is really cool that i wonder if it's extendable to other this might already exist but i think it's a cool little thing to think about might spur some new ideas so in the house sale process the agent wants me to invest in my house and like stage it really well, you know, fix up the landscaping, repaint everything, do yeah. all these like fix ups. Right. And, and I'm like, cool. Like in theory, like I get it, you know, that's going to help sell the house, but like also I've already like moved mentally and physically at this point. And like, like I, I don't really want to deal with it. Yeah. I don't want to deal with it. I also don't want to spend $25,000, which is what his plan's coming out to, to like do these improvements even though logically in my head, I'm like, there's probably a good ROI for every dollar I do in fixing this up. I just don't want to pay more money for this asset that I'm selling. Like um, when I'm not even sure if I'm going to make money or lose money on the, on the sale. And so he's like, don't worry. Compass has this thing where we'll just take it out of the escrow. So you just say, yes, like, yes, I'm cool with staging it and painting it and whatever within this budget. But like, you don't worry. You don't have to write a check. That's what TurboTax does. It's amazing. Right. And, and I'm like this, and it's so stupid that that changes my decision-making, but it absolutely does. The fact that I don't have to take out my wallet and pay and I can just say, yeah, take it out of the sale price when it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing, but it's not the same thing. And I instantly was like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah." And then they hit me up. They're like, Oh, by the way, we think it would be good if we touched this garage up too. Can we do that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Put it on my tab. You know, it's coming out of the sale price anyways. I don't have to take out a dollar. Yeah, It's way easier to spend money. So I found this to be, it's a no interest. And they're like, no, it's a no interest loan. And they, because they know that, hey, getting you to do this will help the sales. So they're like incentivized to, to offer this as a service, as a short term, like two to three month loan that they have to, the front. And um, so I was wondering, A, is, does this exist for any house sale? Because it should. I used it. I think they use a service called Notable. So it's kind of an interesting company to check out. I think that company might offer this to everybody. 
But then I wondered like how many other things are there like this where um, you get money back. Yeah. You like, it's like, take it out of the, take it out of the thing. Like taxes is another good one where it's like, Oh yeah, I don't want to pay for you to do my taxes. Just take it out of my refund or put it out, add it to my bill later, you know? And so where are there other opportunities to reduce the money out of pocket up front? And I would say a firm or afterpay are a great example of this where they're like, Hey, you want to buy this thing on, you know, but like, you don't want to pay the full price for it right now, pay in 12 installments of, you know, hundred dollars and you can get it instead of fronting. That's a great question. Bucks. So there, I think these are, these are great businesses to start. If you can find that opportunity where people don't want to pay now, like maybe it's property taxes or something crazy like that. Maybe, maybe there's some, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, like income share agreements. This is the same thing for income share agreements, right? It's like, no, 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 don't pay for school. We'll take it out of your salary when you, when you're done. And it's like, it's the same thing. I was going to take a loan and pay it back after I get a job or I just don't take the loan and I pay it back after I get the job, like as a shadow loan. And so income share agreements work the same way, but psychologically people view it very differently and they're more willing to do it that way. So anyways, I think that's a cool situation. If you're listening to this, you know, another area where that would apply. I want to hear it. Yeah, I completely agree. I just, like when I was doing my taxes, I, it was the same thing. I was like, Oh yeah. Just add, 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 add to that. I'm not, it's like, it's free money anyway. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Sean, I looked at your house listing. Yeah. It's listed for a lot cheaper than you bought it. Are you going to lose a lot of money on this or is the strategy that people are hopefully no, going to bid? The strategy is just to drive enough foot traffic, drive a lot of foot traffic by making it low priced and then get at least two bidders and then just bid them up against each other. You think that's also the listing is wrong. The, it, it, it says my house was sold originally bought for 2.4, but that's my, that's the neighbor unit. So Zillow has it mislabeled. So I got mine for 2.1, not 2.4. So it looks like it's at this huge discount, which is not true. It's at like a small discount. Um, but do you regret buying it? Yes. I regret buying it. Would you regret, have regretted buying it regardless of Corona or not? Yeah. Even if I had sold it for like a slight profit or whatever, I just could have done better things with that money. Right. Like, I had to put $500,000 down and it's like that I lived there for three years. Like the rate I could have grown that $500,000 through other investments would have been much higher than the rate of my real estate appreciation, or in this case, depreciation that I ended up with. Plus home ownership is just a pain in the ass. There's just headaches along the way and renting is way more fun, way more flexible, way less headache. And will you ever buy it? Well, are you going to buy a place again? So now my, cause I was talking to my brother-in-law about this and he's buying and I was like, dude, He's, he's buying an expensive house, like yeah, five times more than our house. And I was like, who is crazy? Uh, my brother-in-law. And so I was like, why are you doing this? And he was like, he's like, the thing you, he's like, I always lose money on real estate. He's like, but the thing is, once you get to a certain point where you're like, I, I, I must live in this neighborhood. Like I, I want to live here. This is the, this is the place I want to live. He goes, sometimes those places just don't rent. Like they only sell. He's like, so the only time to, he's like, my rule now is the only time I buy is when I really want to get to a neighborhood or to a house that. I just can't get for rent, then I'll buy. And it's my tax for, for really wanting that place. But if otherwise, if I'm flexible, then renting all day. And so Who I, the I fuck the is buying mindset. a $10 million home? People got money, dude. People got money. What does your brother-in-law do for a living? Goddamn. <laughs> he refuses to come on the podcast because he doesn't want to draw attention to, to his business and what he does and all that and how much money he's got and all that stuff. Uh, he I'm must be in real estate. Sean's dropped hints. I think he's in real, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he, no, he does stuff in real estate. Yeah, it's, it's real estate plus other businesses. Fucking A. 
we got to talk about real estate. That seems like I've always <laughs> said real estate is, has the highest ratio of dumb, rich, dumb to rich people. Like there's a shit ton of dumb, rich people right. in real estate. Yeah. I love that line. That that's another good shirt one. Uh, um, it is. I mean, like if you think about like, not dumb, but like tech has like a lot of high IQ people, but maybe, maybe not as many rich people, real estate. You don't have to be that smart to be awesome. Yeah. If you, t- so the idea is if you took all people who have, let's say over $5 million in net worth, and then you said, okay, by industry, how'd you make your money? And then you map their IQs and you said, which has the, the lowest average or median IQ. It's either good. It's, number one's going to be inheritance. And number two is I think going to be real estate. Yeah, for sure. Well, we got to talk about real estate next time. Um, all right. Well, good episode. Yeah, cool. We're out. Uh,